I shall return this evening, dear friends, to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read two verses, verse uh, 6 and verse 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, if we had been living in Victorian times, especially in the great city of London, there were two very famous preachers. You had Dr. Joseph Parker in the great city temple, and then you had the great Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon in the great tabernacle. And what happened was this, when any visitors came, especially from America, they were encouraged to go and to uh, uh, hear Dr. Joseph Parker in the morning, and then to go along to the tabernacle in the evening to hear the great C.H. Spurgeon. And one American visitor did exactly that. He went along to the city temple, and heard the very famous Dr. Joseph Parker. And as he was leaving the city temple, he was heard to say, My, what wonderful arbitrary. My, what wonderful arbitrary. Because without a doubt, Dr. Dr. Parker was a brilliant preacher in his day and generation. And so the visitor went along in the evening to hear the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And every Sunday Spurgeon would be preaching between 4,000 and 5,000 people every Sunday. In the morning and in the evening between four and 5,000 people. And he went along to hear the great Spurgeon. And as he was leaving the tabernacle, the American visitor was heard to say these words, My, what a wonderful saviour. My, what a wonderful saviour. He lost sight of Spurgeon because he was captivated with the Christ that Spurgeon was speaking about. And it's my prayer, dear friends, for these meetings on a Sunday evening, that uh, that will be your experience as you leave these meetings, including the meeting tonight. Not saying what a great sermon, or even a great preacher, if that be the case, but to leave the meeting saying, my, what a wonderful saviour we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Now if you were here <clears throat> last Sunday 
you will of course know that we dealt with the first name or the first title given to the Lord Jesus here in Isaiah chapter 9. His name shall be called Wonderful. And we notice whether we speak in the past or whether we speak in the present or whether we speak in the future. He shall always be wonderful. He was, when he was here upon earth in the past, uh, uh, to to those of us who know and love him today in the present, uh, he is indeed wonderful. And there's a day coming in which the world shall see just how wonderful he is when he reigns in power and authority on this planet earth. Now we turn our attention this evening to uh, the next name or the next title given to the Lord Jesus uh, and it is uh, Counselor. Counselor. And as I was thinking of this particular title or name given to Jesus uh, I found myself asking two very simple questions. The first question was What is a good counsellor? And the second was this, what are the qualifications to be a counsellor? And what I want to do this evening, very simply, is this, to bring to your attention at least six things that a counsellor stands in need of if he is to be a good counsellor. And as we think of these six different things, we shall find that what men and women have in a measure, as they are counsellors, we're going to find that our Lord Jesus has the fullness of these qualifications. Not in measure, but in fullness. Now what are these six qualifications that a counsellor needs if he's going to function in the field of counselling? First of all he's going to need knowledge. Secondly he's going to need wisdom. Thirdly He's going to need sympathetic understanding. Fourthly, he's going to need patience. Fifthly, going to need honesty. And then lastly, he's going to need ability. And these are the, the six qualifications that a counsellor must have if he or she is going to excel in the field of counselling. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at these six things in relation to the Lord Jesus. Because his name is Counselor. And what mere mortals have in a measure, we shall see the Lord Jesus has in fullness. Take for example the first one. A counselor is going to need knowledge. Now that is obvious. Because a counsellor is going to be confronted with different problems. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be certain forms of addiction. It could be social issues. 
It could be psychological problems. And therefore a counsellor has to have a wide knowledge of, of knowledge. He's got to know a certain amount of different things pertaining to counselling. Because he never knows what he's going to be confronted with when he speaks to a man or a woman in counselling. Now there's not a man or a woman living that knows everything about everything. That is utterly impossible. They may know a certain amount about certain things. But they do not know everything there is to know about that particular subject. But isn't it great to know, dear friends, this evening, that when we think of our Lord Jesus as the Counselor, he knows everything about everything. There is nothing he does not know about any subject you care to mention this evening. Because the Bible says that in him are hid all the treasure of knowledge. He knows what you are thinking at this moment in time. He knows every motive that's going to motivate you. He knows everything you're going to do tomorrow, the next week, the next month, the next year. He knows everything there is to know about you. Why is this? Because he possesses one of the attributes of deity, which is omniscience. All knowledge. So our counsellor, the Lord Jesus, has all knowledge of the past, of the present, and of the future in totality about everything. To me, that is awesome. And here's what David said in Psalm 139. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know my downsetting, you know my uprising, you know my thoughts afar off. There's not a word in my tongue, but you know it all together. Such knowledge, he says, is too high for me. I cannot attain unto it. And dear friend, that is your counsellor and mine this evening. Someone who possesses all knowledge about you and about me. Then secondly, and very quickly, a good counsellor needs wisdom. Now, follow this very carefully. A lot of people have plenty of knowledge, but they've got no wisdom. Because you can have knowledge without wisdom. But you can't have wisdom without knowledge. Because wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. You can think of people, and I can think of people, intellectually brilliant, got plenty of knowledge, but sometimes they haven't got basic common sense. They have no wisdom of how they go about things. 
knowledge, but no wisdom. But it's great to know tonight that this counselor, the Lord Jesus, hasn't got just knowledge, but in him is hid the treasure of wisdom. He knows how to apply the knowledge that he's got. And to me, that is of tremendous consolation and help. You see, dear friends, the Lord doesn't deal with us in, in, in block, in mass. He deals with us individually. Now, why is that? For the simple reason we are all different. Look around tonight. There are not two faces alike. Nobody looks like me, and you're probably saying, that's good. Look at yourself. Not two people are alike. We are all different. That's how God has made us. When God made you, he broke the mold. When God made me, he broke the mold. There's never going to be another you, never going to be another me. And God just doesn't treat us in mass. He treats us as individuals. And he knows exactly how to apply the knowledge he's got concerning you and me this evening. Because he is a God of wisdom. But then thought we find that a good counsellor needs sympathetic understanding. And to me this is very important. When a counsellor comes alongside a man or a woman facing difficulties and problems, it is to the advantage of the counsellor if he can slip his, uh, his arm around his uh, horse shoulder and say, My dear, I know exactly what you're going through because I have gone that way myself. Take, for example, bereavement. Someone comes and they've suffered a bereavement, maybe a husband, maybe a wife, a son or a daughter, and they go for counselling. How good it is if the counsellor can say, I know exactly what you're going through because I have passed that way before. I have suffered bereavements. Sympathetic understanding. Reaching out to the person in the need. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Don't forget, dear friends, he lived on this earth for 33 years. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. See him walk in the streets of Jerusalem, Treading the shores of Galilee, moving amongst humanity, and he experiences the different emotions that we experience. Have you ever cried? Of course you have. What well, Jesus did. John 11, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now don't get the idea that little tears just glistened his eyes. John used the very strong Greek verb. It literally means Jesus burst into tears 
rivers of tears ran down his lovely face as he stood by the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He wept. Have you ever been tired and wearied? Of course you have. Well, Jesus was. John chapter 4. Jesus, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on Jacob's well. He was tired. Have you ever been disappointed? Of course you have. Who hasn't? Well, Jesus was also disappointed. Do you remember he, he cleansed ten lepers? But only one came back to give thanks. And here's what he said. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? He felt the pang of disappointments. Tell me, have you ever experienced pain? Of course you have. Jesus experienced pain that you shall never experience. For six hours on the cross, he was crucified. Physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain was crammed into those six hours from nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. He experienced pain. And therefore, he can be a sympathetic high priest. He can enter in to what you're feeling. He can sympathize with you. Knowledge, wisdom, sympathetic understanding. But a good counsellor needs, fourthly, he needs patience. And it's been my experience over the years as a church minister, pastoring a good number of churches, to sit beside people in the counselling room and sometimes it's going to take a few minutes. Other times it takes a few hours. And I have got to be patient with that woman or that man. As they pour out their problems and difficulties to me. As I would seek to help them. I've got to be patient. And I've had the experience of sitting and listening to someone. Maybe for an hour. And hardly said a word. And yet the, 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 the man or woman has said, My, you've been a great help. And I, I thought to myself, Goodness gracious, how was I a great help? I could hardly get a word in edgeways. And yet uh, I was a great help. You see, I took the time to listen. And our Lord Jesus is patience because of who he is he is patience and when you pray in a sense he's got all the world to listen to you they follow this very closely have you ever thought that when you're in your uh, place of prayer and you're on your knees before God and you're praying there's every possibility at that precise moment you're not the only one praying there could be literally thousands, millions of people who perhaps are praying at the same time that you're praying and yet the Lord is able to listen to 
all of them. I've been greatly blessed through the writings of Professor C.S. Lewis. If you want books that get you thinking, read the writings of C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, Lewis has this lovely thought with regard to prayer. He says that when you pray, in a sense, God has all the time in the world to listen to you as if you were the only one praying at that time. Even though there could be millions praying at the same time. Oh, the patience of this great counsellor that we have. So don't be afraid to go into the Lord's presence and unfold your soul to him. Tell him exactly how you're feeling. Forget the errors or graces. Who are, you, who are you trying to bluff? Because the Lord knows you through and through. Just talk to him as your friend, as your redeemer, as your divine counsellor. But then fifthly, very quickly, a good counsellor is going to need honesty. He's got to be absolutely honest with the person he's counselling. Because he might have to tell, tell that person things that the person doesn't want to hear. So he's got to be absolutely honest. He listens to the problem, the difficulties... And then he's got to be absolutely honest and say, well, now, this is what you should do. This is the course of action you should pursue. And my dear friends, when you read the Gospels, you can't find a more honest person than the Son of God himself. Absolutely honest. There was no duplicity with him. There was no deviousness with him. He was absolutely honest with his own disciples. How many times he had to rebuke them and say, O ye of little faith, where is your faith? He was honest with them. And then to the scribes and Pharisees. Just recently I've been reading again in Matthew chapter 23. And dear friend, that's a terrifying chapter. Have you read it recently? In which the Lord Jesus exposes the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. And the language he uses. He calls them fools. He calls them blind fools. He calls them hypocrites. And he says, O generation of vipers, how can you expect to escape the damnation of hell? That's your Lord speaking. He's been absolutely honest. He tore the mask of those old Pharisees and he exposed them for what they were, hypocrites. Outwardly, okay, but inwardly, corruption and sin. And then, of course, he was absolutely honest with the multitudes. On one occasion in, in, in Luke chapter 14, a great multitude was following him. By some of the great modern day evangelists were saying, my, isn't that wonderful? Look at all these multitudes and they're following me. It's my charisma. It's my dynamic personality. And the Lord Jesus stops and he turns around and he says to the multitudes, he says, now listen here. 
if you're not willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, can't you imagine some of the modern day evangelists saying that? Sit down and count the cost before you become a Christian. All their interest is, is raising the hand, make a decision. The Lord didn't do that. He confronted the multitudes and he says, sit down, count the cost. It's going to cost you everything to be my disciple. That wasn't very encouraging. But friends, that's facing facts. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it means 100% commitment. Not 99%, but 100% commitment to him. Taking up the cross. And dear friends, in our Lord's day, if you saw someone carrying a cross, they weren't going for a picnic. It meant just one thing. That person is destined for death. They're going to die on the cross. The Lord Jesus was absolutely honest to his disciples, to you and to me, to the Pharisees, the great multitudes. But let me say, sixthly, a good counsellor needs to have ability. By a good counsellor is able to meet every need, solve every problem, answer every question. By that's a great counsellor. Meet every need, solve every problem, answer every question. But a human counsellor can't do that. But here's our divine counsellor. He can meet every need. He can solve every problem and he can answer any question that you will put to him. He's got the ability. So there we have six qualifications that are needful in counseling. Knowledge, wisdom, sympathetic understanding, patience, honesty, ability. And our blessed Lord Jesus has all these qualifications in abundance. Why? Because of who he is. Now, next Sunday, I don't want you to miss this, because next Sunday we're going to have a look at the next title, The Mighty God. And we're going to see that the Lord Jesus wasn't just a mere man, but he was very God of very God. And his name shall be called the mighty God. And we are living in days, dear friends, in which people are coming to your door and to my door. And they're knocking. You open the door. Nice people. Nice smile on their face. And they're going to tell you about uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Have you had them here? If not, well, here's the good news or the bad news. You might get them next week. They may come to your door. And for goodness sake, don't slam the door in their face. If you've got light and they're in darkness, you have a responsibility to those people. And of course, I've argued with them. I've debated with them. 
I've discussed with them. I think my name and my number is on the black list because they know that when they come to my door, it's not about the, the 144,000. It's not about the great battle of Armageddon. Oh, no, friends. What think you of Christ? That's the question I put to them. And of course, having studied their theology, I know exactly what they're going to say. And what they're going to say in answer to that question? Well, they said, well, uh, he's the highest of all Jehovah's creation. Or in other words, he was created. And he is a small God, and Jehovah is the big God. And it's no use you referring to your Bible because they've got their own translation, the New World Translation. Your Bible is, is not correct. They've got the proper scriptures. And next Sunday we're going to see from the scriptures of how the Bible leaves us in no doubt concerning the deity of our wonderful and glorious Lord's. I remember speaking to a Jehovah's Witness concerning this very subject. And I said, excuse me, sir. Would you answer me a question? Oh, yes. I said, tell me, when Thomas said to the Lord, my Lord and my God, uh, was Thomas mistaken? Oh, yes, he was mistaken. He didn't know what he was talking about. Okay then, if he was mistaken, do you think the Lord should have corrected him if he was mistaken? And he knew where I was coming from. And I said, well now, would you please show me where the Lord corrected him? And I think he looked at his watch and said, well I'll have to be going. <laughs> Don't mix next Sunday. It's a great subject. I can't guarantee a great sermon, but I can guarantee a great subject. His name shall be called, not just wonderful, not just counsellor, but blessed be his name, the mighty God. God bless you.